friends, and welcome to tonight's broadcast. Thank you once again for tuning in to Corbett Report Radio. Of course, I'm your host of James Corbett, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'd like to welcome you to the broadcast tonight, where we will be doing our usual Thursday night routine here on this Thursday evening. We'll be going over some news headlines and, and taking your calls in the first half of tonight's program. And then in the second half, we're going to be joined, as usual, by James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com to go over all of the latest news from the world of food, health, and environment. So I'm certainly looking forward to that, as always. Lots of good stories lined up for you tonight. And as I say, the phone lines will be wide open tonight because, uh, as expected, the first uh, 24 hours since the release of last night's program where we uh, talked to Dr. Walter Block about uh, a, a range of issues from an uh, anarcho-libertarian perspective, well, I got uh, quite a few emails from various people about the, well, the most contentious topic that we talked about last night, of course, being abortion. And everybody has strong opinions on that uh, one way or another. Of course, too many emails coming in through the website for me to respond to everyone individually, but of course we do have open phone lines here in the first half of the broadcast on Thursdays. Anything that you want to talk about, anything that you want to raise, any questions you want to ask, anything that's on your mind, you can call in 1-800-313-9443. We'll be happy to take your call. But in the meantime, we're going to be going over some of the news and headlines from around the world. And I wanted to start with something that's really not a news headline at all, but I think it's something that's uh, somewhat positive, a somewhat positive message. And it's one that I've tried to say in numerous different ways and, and tried to put across to my, my listening audience here on the broadcast and also on my podcast and in my interviews and through the videos that I create at youtube.com slash Corbett Report. I have tried uh, in many different ways to express the, the fact that people really do have the power and that whatever political circus show they put in, put on in whatever uh, national capital or anywhere else that they claim to have authority over us is just that. It is just a, uh, a, a complete circus sideshow. And if we start to treat it like that, it will not have the power over our lives that it does at the moment. And I've tried, as I say, to put this in so many different ways, but sometimes it really is true what they say, that a picture is worth a thousand words. So I'm going to be directing you to a picture tonight as one of the first things that I want to cover, because I think it's just a beautiful way of illustrating that very concept. And the picture is just under the uh, the title, Power, and uh, it's got a... Uh, a, a quote at the very top of the picture. It just says, the people don't know their true power, which is basically what I've tried to be saying in many different ways over the years, that the people don't know their true power. And uh, since we're in the broadcast medium of radio, I'm going to try to t- tell you about this image. Of course, it's better if you go and look at it for yourself. And of course, there will be a link on CorbettReport.com slash radio later this evening, but uh, but right now I'll just explain it to you. There's uh, a bunch of people standing looking at a man who's giving an address, obviously some sort of politician, some sort of Richard Nixon-esque person with his finger up in the air. But uh, he's talking about the, um, uh, well, he's, he's giving some sort of speech and all of these people are watching him, but they are actually standing over a cliff and the politician figure is actually standing in midair. And he is only being supported on this wooden plank that is actually being held up in midair because everybody else is standing on the other side of the, that plank listening to him. They're standing on the edge of the cliff listening to him. And uh, and there's one person who's uh, not looking at the, the pol- political puppet delivering his speech. There's one person who's about to step off that plank. 
And the implication is that if everybody steps off the plank and stops giving their time, attention, effort, and energy towards this politician, the politician will fall off the cliff. That the only thing supporting that whole political puppet show is the people with their time and their attention. And this year-long build-up to the 2012 election is if the presidential election selection really matters at the end of the day. So a very powerful image. Once again, I will put the link in the, uh, the show notes for tonight's episode. But on that note, we'll come back with some uh, calls and some headlines right after this. sadly true it is friends how sadly true it is you can't trust the government but uh but on the bright side you don't have to trust them you don't even have to pay attention to them you just have to get off of the plank that's supporting them once again i will direct you to that image that i'm talking about so hopefully that makes more sense but it's true literally the people support that whole political puppet theater and they can give up that support and truly change the game anytime they want to it's a, it's a message that I've tried to put out in many different ways, but sometimes an image is worth a thousand words. So tonight we're going to be running through some headlines, going over some news and uh, things that people have been sending in through CorbettReport.com, through the contact form. But uh, before that, we have open phone lines tonight, so anything you want to talk about, please call in 1-800-313-9443. And we already have one caller on the line. We have Arthur in Georgia. So, Arthur, thanks for the call. What's on your mind tonight? Good evening, sir. Um... I, you know, I wish we'd had more time that we could have got into this last night because this is a big issue, and I, I, I'm of the firm believer that it really never became a national issue until the state itself made it an issue. And let me start by saying, when it comes to abortion, I don't want anyone to get me wrong. I absolutely, 100%, equivocally believe that abortion is murder. I believe life begins at the moment of conception. This is God's creation. But my point last night was people keep forgetting that there are victims here. And in the case, like I tried to present last night, when you're talking, say, a 12- or a 13-year-old child who is molested by her daddy or her uncle or whoever and comes up pregnant, to force this child to carry that fetus to full term and deliver something the size of a freaking watermelon between her loins, is absolutely inhumane, in my opinion. And here is where we need to have some consideration for someone who's already been victimized once and does not deserve to be victimized a second time. What he did last night was he twisted this around and avoided that issue and went to a woman, the example of a woman wanted to get pregnant and then however many months later decided she didn't want to. And that was not what I was getting at. That woman knew she made the choice to get pregnant she should be committed to that pregnancy and carry it full term, and if she didn't want that child, then give it up for adoption to a good family. But he decked and dodged, which is exactly what I expect from a politician, which is exactly why I knew he was stuffed full of more poo-poo than a Christmas turkey. 
<laughs> well, that's uh, quite a vivid image. But uh, but actually, um, I, I would suggest that you go and re-listen to the end of that broadcast, because I don't think that's what he did at the end of the broadcast when, when we were talking about that issue. What he said was that the, the baby still has rights, even though it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's equally innocent as any other baby, and he was trying to bring it back to that level. I agree with you. I, I understand certainly where you're coming from. I, I agree 100% life begins at conception, and it, it's a horrible, sticky issue, and there is no satisfactory answer to this that's going to make everyone warm and fuzzy, But uh, and I, I don't claim to have the answers to this, but I, I don't think that's precisely the, the answer that he was giving at the very end of the broadcast there. Well, it's possible I, I took him the wrong way, but that's the way it came across to me, and for me... The way I see it, even with the way I feel about abortion, I would be willing to allow this child her childhood over that fetus. I mean, that, that's just, I can't, I cannot give in to the, the, any other option at all because I don't believe in victimizing someone a second time, nor do I believe in, in putting someone on trial and convicting them a second time for the same crime. And so... That was my, my, my whole point, and if I felt like he was ducking and dodging that and trying to avoid that issue altogether, because that's an issue that people just don't want to get into. Mm, well, absolutely, and understandably, because it is absolutely the most extreme situation, and it's, as I say, there's no, not going to be a, a happy answer for anyone in that situation. But, um, but it, part of his point was that the, the idea of this compromise could be reached through medical technology, which could very easily, I think, develop to the point where we could think of the idea of removing the, the, the zygote or whatever you want to call it, the human life from that, uh, that mother into a, a, an environment that would be able to, to, I guess, you know, incubate the baby from a, from a younger and younger uh, starting point to the point where perhaps even when the pregnancy is discovered, it could eventually be be done. And in that case, wouldn't wouldn't that case still hold? Well, then clearly it it should be evicted, as he put it, from the womb, and uh, and then the the child doesn't have to bear the the, the child. Enough to be able to reach the stage where you can safely transport it, because it's not really going to hurt that child that much. The child isn't. Actually, I don't think it's going to hurt the child at all uh, if they can do this within, say, the first month or so, okay? So, yeah, if we had that kind of technology, by all means, I'm all for that. We saved the life of that fetus. But my thing is we already have a child outside the womb functioning on its own, and we should never punish this child. But, see, here's another point, too, and that is I do not believe at all that the federal government, let alone the Courts should be involved in this issue. This should be an issue that is taking dealt with at the state level because when you have a federal mandate, let's say, for example, it is a federal mandate that bans abortion completely, there is no such thing as voting with your feet. But if you let it go back to the state level where it should have stayed to start with, then if you don't like the abortion laws in your state, you can move to a new state that's called voting with your feet. States used to compete for population. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, I can't argue with that. I'm all for devolving power as, as locally as possible, and states are a good uh, interim transition as we go away from a federal system. So I agree. I think there has to be different states, and people vote with their feet exactly as you say. So um, so absolutely, I agree on that point, and I think uh, you raised some good points. And uh, again, I don't think that there's an easy answer to any of this, but uh, but I think it needs to be fleshed out, and we need to have this discussion. 
So once again, Arthur, thank you for that call, and I will actually transition off of one of the points that you made into one of the articles that was sent in last night by one of the listeners um, that you talked about uh, trying someone for the same crime twice. Well, we actually have a, an article along that, that very line that kind of beggars the belief. It's from economictimes.indiatimes.com, uh, and it just came out uh, in the last 24 hours, and it's about David Headley and Tahawar Rana. And for people who don't know about this case, I do have a video that I created last year talking about this, the uh, U.S. agent and the Mumbai massacre. So you can check that out for more of the background of this case. But uh, but let's just read a little bit of this Economic Times story. It says, David Headley to Hawar Rana extradition may be difficult under 1997 treaty. And it starts by saying the Indo-U.S. extradition treaty may pose a major hindrance to India's efforts to produce David Headley and Tahawar Rana before a Delhi court over the Mumbai attacks, as it does not allow handover of a person already convicted or acquitted for the offense he has sought for. Uh, the 1997 extradition treaty between India and the U.S. precludes the extradition of Rana. The court here would not allow it. Rana was acquitted of the charges related to the Mumbai attack in the United States, uh, said Patrick Blagan, the attorney for Rana. Uh, Blagan was uh, responding to questions regarding the order given by a Delhi court to the national investigating agency that Headley and Rana be produced before it on March 13th. 51-year-old Headley, a Pakistani-American LET operative, and his childhood friend Rana, a Pakistani-Canadian, are currently lodged in a Chicago jail and awaiting their sentencing. So for those, again, who don't know the background of this, uh, I guess the long story short is to say that David Headley is an interesting character who has some definite relations with the uh, the U.S. government and, and some implied relations with some very powerful intelligence agencies and, and operatives who were basically smuggling him into Pakistan in the wake of 9-11 to be used ostensibly in basically drug uh, smuggling, uh, busting open drug smuggling rings, but uh, there's uh, some indication that he was tied up with various terror groups and the story goes that oh the uh, yeah the government was puppeteering him trying to use him for you know drug busting operations but while he was doing that he was uh, training people at al qaeda terrorist camps and, and doing all of that kind of uh, shenanigans on the side and they just didn't weren't able to follow him they just didn't realize it and uh, all this time he was doing things like oh you know setting up the mumbai attacks and planning uh, retaliation against that danish newspaper that was going to uh, that published the the uh, pictures of Muhammad, the cartoons of Muhammad, and all of those types of activities. And, and yes, just another case of one of these uh, pu- puppeteered uh, terrorist operatives who the, the government just didn't know was doing all of this stuff on the side. And there's uh, obviously a lot to be said about that and how basically it seems that Headley is one of these uh, these people who have been used and uh, looks like abused and, and discarded by the intelligence agencies who were setting him up the whole time. This is just a new added twist in the case where uh, it looks like they're not going to be able to even move him back to India to, to try him because he's already been tried in the U.S. So, uh, so obviously this is something that was perfectly and totally understood by the uh, U.S. Justice Department before they began their own uh, conviction proceedings against Headley and, and Rana. So once again, this is another case of, oops, the government messed up, and now they can't ex- export the, the extradite this uh, this terrorist back to India, so he can be tried for for setting up the the Mumbai attack, which itself stank to high heaven for anyone who remembers that 
that supposed uh, whatever it was three day uh, shooting spree by the uh, the people who were hepped up on all sorts of drugs that uh, that uh, absolutely there were so many bizarre parts of that story that it probably deserves its own broadcast or podcast in the future. So I'll, I'll put something together on that because once again it's one of those terror attacks where the terrorists committed. An event that they certainly could not have committed without some serious help. And uh, lo and behold, one of the people involved just happened to be a U.S. agent working for the DEA. Yeah, of course, he was busting uh, drug smuggling rings and, uh, oh oh, yeah, puppeteering the Mumbai attacks on the side. So once again, just another part of that that much bigger story. So I'll once again exhort you to go and look for that uh, video I did last year talking about this story. So you can get a grasp of how significant it is that, uh, oh, by the way, they're not going to be able to extradite him. Well, shucks darn, just imagine that. At any rate, I thank the uh, the listener who sent that in via the contact form at CorbettReport.com. We'll be right back after this break with some more news headlines. And if uh, anyone else wants to call in, 1-800-313-9443. And then coming up uh, from 30 after, we're going to be talking to James Evan Pilato, FoodWorldOrder.com. So don't touch that dial. Stay tuned right there. We'll be right back. We're back, we're back, and we're facing down Big Brother, and uh, he only looks intimidating because we continue to feed all of the beast in oh so many ways, the uh, the corporate beast, the government beast, the banking beast, all of it, we feed it our, our money and our time and our attention, and we make it our focus, and just like looking at a pothole on the road, you're going to steer into it. It's like looking at that uh, disaster down uh, coming at you uh, on the highway, you're going to steer into it. So we have to find a way to steer away from that and to look for solutions that don't rely on big government or or big corporations or, or the banking bureaucracy coming in to save the day with their technocrats parachuted in out of nowhere like in Europe. Anyway, um, all sorts of crazy things going on in this world. So let's continue going through some of them so that we can, again, have a better understanding of what's happening and better situate ourselves to avoid those potholes in the road. And another uh, article that was sent in by uh, another listener through the contact form on CorbettReport.com, this one from Common Dreams, Bill Gates, We Need Genetically Modified Seeds. And uh, uh, for people who might have missed it, I think it was last month uh, Bill Gates came out with his uh, annual letter for, for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He writes a letter talking about all the nifty new technologies and things that he's funding with his bajillions of dollars that he uh, suckered out of people who were, well, silly enough to support the Microsoft empire. And uh, unfortunately, I can't say that I'm not one of the people who had a, a Windows-based PC at some point. And now I've got an Apple-based uh, or an OS X. Uh, Apple iMac, so uh, I, I can't really uh, gloat over anyone over the, on that point. Uh, once again, I have to transition off of all of these technologies of enslavement, too, and stop feeding the beast that's trying to enslave us all. But on that note, of course, Bill Gates came out with his annual letter to investors, or not investors, to people concerned about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and what they're doing, and of course it was 
hyping up all the wonders of uh, biotechnology. And of course, he didn't use he didn't even use the term genetically uh, engineered food. He didn't use the term GM GMOs or anything of that sort in that letter. He just talked about biotechnology, the the family friendly, safe version of GMO. Because everyone everyone around the world is concerned about GMO, and when people start talking about tinkering with the genetic makeup of the food that we're consuming on a daily basis, a lot of people get uncomfortable. But if you hide it under a name like biotech, well, then it sounds innocuous. I don't even know what biotech means. Sure, whatever, just engineer our food. It sounds great. Well, so anyway, so that was uh, last month's uh, uh, interesting bit from from the world's, supposedly one of the world's richest men, which is a total and complete lie, because, of course, the richest people in the world are not on Forbes' list every year. Just a word to the people who in the audience who don't know, but I'm sure all of you do. Anyway, this is talking about a, a, a forum appearance that, uh, that Mr. Gates made recently, and I'll read just a, a little bit from this. It says, At a forum of the International Fund for Agricultural Development in Rome today, Microsoft founder Bill Gates pressed the need for genetically modified seeds in the developing world and the need for a digital revolution to meet the needs of the world's farmers. Gates claims that genetically modified crops double or triple small farmers' yields have been challenged by recent research. And extremely interesting, and I hope people will at least take a look at this article for some of the links there and and some of the information about that and the lie that really uh, that GM foods actually are more productive and that they do reduce our reliance on things like pesticides, when in fact what the research actually shows is that, in fact, no, GM foods either in some crops doesn't create any appreciable difference in yields or even create smaller yields and... Can you believe it? It requires more pesticides because now there are uh, bacteria and, and, and insects and things that are developing resistance to the BT and the other things that have been engineered into these GM monstrosities. So it's actually more expensive, it's uh, it's less productive, and it is just another stage of the, the control of the world by the control of the food supply, which is exactly what we were talking about on this po- broadcast last week, as you'll recall. Moving right along, another extremely interesting and extremely important story, this one from Urian Meissen of Infowars.com. WHO admits omitting fluoride's damaging health effects to prevent controversy. (laughs) Wow, the World Health Organization covering up the, the damaging effects of fluoride? Why, I never... And yes, absolutely, here it is uh, in black and white, a great find from a mention on the WHO website. So there's a link here. You can actually follow it directly to the document itself where it talks about a chemical aspects working group meeting that was held in Tokyo in 2002 where this World Health Organization uh, group decided that uh, as they were finalizing their monograph, They said there was considerable discussion on various aspects of the draft, including a suggestion that the monograph should not mix discussion on the beneficial use of fluoride with adverse health effects to prevent controversy. Oh, yes. Oh, we must prevent controversy at all costs because, well, heaven forfend if people actually know that there are actual adverse health effects that have been proven in the scientific and medical literature about the effects of, uh, of fluoride on the human body and that perhaps... Maybe people should actually find out that drinking fluoride is about as perfect, effective in preventing tooth decay as drinking sunscreen is in preventing sunburns, i.e. you would never drink sunscreen to prevent a sunburn, so why on earth do you drink fluoride to prevent tooth decay? It is ridiculous on its face. It is not supportable by any recourse to any scientific argument. And unfortunately, uh, the WHO and other bodies are just... 
Well, we're really just pimping for the uh, the fluoride industry that's that's grown up um, for so many years around so many other industries, including the nuclear weapons production industry, the fertilizer industry, and other places that manufacture this fluoride, so-called, as a byproduct. And we were talking about that earlier this week. So there's just another follow-up article on that. At any rate, as I say, these headlines and all of the stuff we talk about tonight will be in the show notes for tonight's episode, corporatereport.com slash radio, shortly after the episode airs. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. We are here on Corbett Report Radio tonight, and it is Thursday night, so we're going to talk once again to our regular Thursday night guest, the one and only James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com. James, great to have you here tonight. Thank you so much, as always, for your time. Thank you so much. It's, it's great to be back with you. Well, it's great to have you here, and uh, I think we should probably start off by letting the listeners know about uh, an exciting new uh, feed that you've just set up through Food, Food World Order. Yeah, I, I, I basically, I put... The, the main feed for the site, which I'll tell folks right here is feeds.feedburner.com slash food world order. But I submitted it to the iTunes store. And after a few hours, it spat back out and it's updated. And there is an entry in the iTunes store, food world order. And of course, it, it'll already start to come up as a related kind of show, James, to, to the shows we're already doing that are, that are up there. But it's, I think, a great way you can get the PDFs that come out and that may contain, you know, some of the, the reports and the research and the, you know, the journal entries and the things that we discuss on this show, as well as... That's it. That's in, what I love about Medium, yeah. Medium Monarchy and all the stuff that you're doing, because you always, as you say, you always do put those documents in there for people to find the source of the information for themselves. I, I, I really, you know, attempt to do it, you know, to the best of my ability, and I know that sometimes those, those links may not always last but if people are subscribed to the feed, and that's what's great about podcasts is once they go out, they can't they can't take them away from you. <laughs> well, so at least not yet. At least not yet. But I've seen things where because I was a subscriber, I got a video that they then ultimately pulled for you know any various number of reasons. So I think that's important. Well, yeah, it is, and I'm uh, I'm glad iTunes and Apple is playing ball with you. As uh, many people out there might know, they don't play ball with Corbett Report for whatever reason. Um, so Corbett Report is not available through the iTunes Store, or at least only my videos are. So there's uh, there's details about how to subscribe to the Corbett Report feeds on CorbettReport.com/slash-subscribe, and you have to do a little bit of uh, jiggery pokery and behind the scenes magic to make it work. But you can still get it through iTunes and your podcatcher of choice. But on that note, also we should probably let people know that uh, not only are we here broadcasting on Republic Broadcasting, but we also put this out via video, and uh, we're starting to do that on a weekly basis. And that's, you know, I, I unfortunately I need to upgrade my, my gear a little bit. It takes a long time to render and spit out, you know, a relatively short 15, 20-minute video. But, but I love doing it, and I love kind of teaching myself, you know, the video, even on a rudimentary level. So I was just going to say, James, you know, and of course uh, the troubles with uh, iTunes, but the, you know, the GooTube gods, of course, apparently are never going to grant you, you know, a director's account where you can upload videos longer than 15 minutes because if they haven't done it for you by now, I can't see that they're going to. But our good friend Morgan Lesko of Wiki World Order hosts the Food World Order videos 
for my for myself and and for you, James. They they end up being about twenty two minutes, and I just I haven't felt like chopping them into two pieces. So I think uh, you're right to do so, and uh, we should we should throw in a plug for that. Not only uh, wikiworldorder.org, I, I want to say. Oh, I should actually check that before I put I it up. Dot com and dot org both. Oh, okay, work. yeah. Well, I've got wikiworldorder.org uh, bookmarked here, and also youtube.com slash wikiworldorder. So I hope people will check that out and uh, thank him for for hosting those videos. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's amazing, and again, it's that great way to kind of reach out and and keep things going, and you know, many hands make light work. James, you were going over all of the sort of around the world news, and and that got me thinking of you know, I kind of went to Google News is kind of my initial source, and I have it, of course, kind of tricked out to show me more, you know, the news that I, I want to find and I want to see. And I thought of a way to kind of get into this evening in our Food World Order coverage. Syria's chaos reaches its kitchen, and this was, you know, all I had to do was type Syria in food, and there's already, you know, discussions of the, you know, the growing humanitarian crisis, as, again, this problem, reaction, solution, situation on the grand chessboard plays out in another kind of predictable way, but Syria's turmoil is showing signs of reaching the country's kitchens as disruptions in transportation and trade sanctions are conspiring to shrink supplies and boost prices at a time when harvests are constrained by poor weather. James, that's, again, from the media org, And just, you know, one other data point that, again, you sometimes just have to shake your head to not, you know, cry. Uh, that's basically it. And, and once again, it goes back to that fundamental idea. If you control the food, you control the people. And, uh, and that works in so many different ways and so many different aspects. And there are so many different ways to use that as a, a pressure point against uh, oppressed populations. But let's let's be a little more positive now, shall we? With uh, please, yes. That uh, you know, I saw in in print in the big papers, in the local papers, and I have it posted on foodworldorder.com. Dead for thirty two thousand years, an Arctic plant is revived. Living plants have been regener have been generated rather from the fruit of a little Arctic flower, the narrow leafed campion that died thirty two thousand years ago a team of Russian scientists reports. The fruit was stored by an Arctic ground squirrel in its burrow on the tundra of the northeastern Siberia and laid permanently frozen until excavated by scientists a few years ago. This would be the oldest plant by far that has ever been grown from ancient tissue. The present record was held by a date palm grown from a seed some 2,000 years old that was recovered from the ancient fortress of Masada in Israel. Seeds in certain cells can last a long term under the right conditions, and the story goes on to, you know, discuss, you know, how it was found and what maybe could be done, despite this unpromising background coming, of course, from frozen tundra. The new claim is supported by firm Radiocarbon Date. A similar avenue of inquiry into the deep past, the field of ancient DNA, was at first discredited after claims of retrieving dinosaur DNA proved erroneous, but with improved methods has produced spectacular results like the reconstitution of the Neanderthal genome. This new report is a team led by Svetlana Yashina and David Gilichinsky of the Russian Academy of Sciences Research Center at Pushchino near Moscow and appears in the, I believe, most recent issue of the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States of America. That's PNAS.org. At last check, again, James, they're not giving up the PDF, but you can get the abstract on this story. And, and it brings up the idea, you know, will we see the dodo come back? in a couple years. 
And uh, in a follow-up story next week, scientists are able to collect some dinosaur DNA from a mosquito that flew into some amber a few million years ago and uh, reconstitute the T-Rex. Exactly. You know, I found in the over the last couple of years, digging into the Michael Crichton films that have made from his books, he's one of those guys you kind of look at, you're like, hey... This dude was really on to something. He really was. I, I was actually quite surprised myself because I always just, uh, you know, being an English literature major and a literary snob, I thought, oh, just, uh, oh, he's a pulp fiction writer, you know, second rate. But actually watching some of his lectures that he gave, especially about climate change and the entire hoax that was going on there, and uh, there's some videos up on YouTube of him talking about the, the Internet and how it was going to start affecting society. And keep in mind, this was... 10 years ago or something, some really, really interesting thoughts. He was actually quite a profound thinker in some ways. And he even kind of wrote and directed a lot of the early versions of his films. I think he was the one who directed the original Andromeda Strain, which, you know, I, I love that, but I, we're digressing a, a tad bit, James. A, a tad, but still interesting, nonetheless. <laughs> Do you have any, any other thoughts on the uh, Arctic flower before we... I uh, I want to keep it positive, so I'll I'll bite my tongue thinking about uh, the curse vials of the world and the people who think that this is the type of technology that's going to revive all the dead people of the past, so we can live forever and all the transhumanism monk. So um so let's just move on before it's too late. <laughs> uh, another one actually from the New York Times. This uh, again caught my eye because it was a product. It is a product we sell at my store. And again, for folks out there, the disclosure of I, I work at an independent grocery store chain here in Portland, Oregon. We're only in the Pacific Northwest, and we compete with the Trader Joe's and the Whole Foods and Safeway and Fred Meyer and all that stuff. Trademarks take on new importance in Internet era. Now, automatically, this doesn't really sound like it's about food, but it's all it's all connected. As a cereal snack food entrepreneur, Warren Wilson is no stranger to the challenges of running a business in the early days, selling funnel cakes, and basically being broke. But it still came as a bit of a shock when the Wilsons made, he and his wife, made what they thought was a routine move to register the trademark of their hot product, a flat pretzel snack called Pretzel Crisps. And it was contested by none other than Frito-Lay, the 800-pound gorilla of the snack food market owned by PepsiCo. This is so different from anything else we face because we're not fighting a product in the supermarket. We're not fighting against an institution like a bank. We're not dealing with an act of nature, Wilson said in an interview at his company's headquarters. This fight is about a big company that wants to dominate the snack food category by crushing a little company like ours rather than by competing with us. Frito-Lay, whose rolled gold pretzel products, which actually, interestingly enough, we, we dumped from our shelves this last week at the store, but I do also discover here that Stacy's Pita Chips is owned by Frito-Lay, which I did not know, and they compete with pretzel crisps. They, of course, all declined to discuss this case, citing the pending dispute with the Wilson's company. James, this gets into all these questions about, you know, milk chocolate bar, is it a generic term? Does pretzel crisp really mean anything? And then make the comparison of Kimberly Clark's Kleenex, you know, facial to or Xerox, or even something being photoshopped. Mm, yeah. Well, exactly. Can we even imagine a world without trademarks and copyrights? I mean, how 
how how brilliant would that be in so many different ways but uh but absolutely and and it was a story it kind of related somewhat off the topic of food but uh it was pretty big in China when I was there a couple of weeks ago that apparently Apple's been ha- waging this uh legal battle against some uh Chinese company that I guess uh, maybe in Taiwan or somewhere I I can't remember exactly but they they had registered the iPad uh, name uh, over ten years ago, it was it stood for something with some kind of acronym IPAD, but they registered iPad so that Apple can't actually use iPad in in China, and they um and they're I think it's being contested in other places where this was tr- uh, registered by that same company, so they're they're spending tens of millions of dollars on this suit apparently, and uh, and I just saw a recent uh, thing about the the new Apple that they're releasing some kind of smart TV this year and. There's all this speculation about what what they'll call it because they can't use Apple TV. That's already used for a different system they have, and they can't use iTV because that's registered as a as a major broadcaster in England and things like that. So, so what will it be? And all of this kind of I don't know bizarre fighting over names is is uh, it's a bizarre thing to watch. But uh, but as someone who's tried to register domain names and think of good domain names in the past, it's uh, it's interesting to see like usernames on Twitter and things like that. Anything you can think of has already been registered by someone, and it can be a frustrating experience. So it's uh, mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to think about, at any rate. Yeah, yeah, and I even just actually just just kind of poking around. I think maybe I was trying to bring up the uh, the iTunes store entry now for Food World Order. And saw, I think, just a really recent video from just this past January of Ian Crane talking. And the video title on YouTube was called Food, World Order, and Imperialism. And for the second, I was like, hey, dude, that's not <laughs> But then in the other way, it's like, awesome. Like, that's out there. And, and I and I love it because I never – what am I – oh, yeah, I'm going to profit off of those three words. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, probably not, but at the very least, we can we can win the uh, info war with the memes. So uh, you are a one-man meme generator. I, I love it. I love it. I, and, you know, and I always kind of thank, you know, my girlfriend and those other couple of close friends, and we're always kind of bouncing, bouncing names off each other because, again, you know, they, they have real real power. Speaking of real power, James, the FDA, that would be our Food and Drug Administration, to review the safety of inhalable caffeine. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration officials plan to investigate whether inhalable caffeine sold in lipstick-sized canisters is safe for consumers and if its manufacturer was right to brand it as a dietary supplement. AeroShot, that's A-E-R-O-S-H-O-T, went on the market late last month in Massachusetts and New York, and it's also available in France. Consumers put one end of the canister in their mouths and breathe in, releasing a fine powder that dissolves almost instantly. This may remind you of the e-cigarette. Each gray and yellow plastic canister contains B vitamins plus 100 milligrams of caffeine powder, about the equivalent of the caffeine in a large cup of coffee. AeroShot inventor, Harvard biomedical engineer Professor David Edwards says the product is safe and doesn't contain taurine and other common additives used to enhance the caffeine effects in energy drinks. AeroShot didn't require FDA review before hitting the U.S. market because it's sold as a dietary supplement. But New York's U.S. Senator Chucky Schumer said he met with FDA Commissioner Dr. Margaret Hamburg after, and, and she agreed to review the safety and legality of AeroShot. I'm worried about how a product like this impacts kids and teens, Schumer said, and they plan to announce something this upcoming Sunday. James, this, you know, it brings up so many things. You know, what's a dietary supplement? What isn't? And they go on to discuss the controversy over the last year or so of drinks called 
like four loco that are basically alcohol and caffeine kind of mixed together, which they've they've like they go wrong. Exactly, you know, and the kids call it blackout in a can. Mm. But well, it, well uh, yeah. I, I almost wonder. It seems like these sort of more ridiculous products kind of flooding the marketplace, being called dietary supplements in a way, and not just now, maybe even kind of thinking of this, is it poisoning the well of all the other sort of real natural remedies, you know, that that we love and take and, and value? Then with Codex Alimentarius or some other kind of police state move, it's like, oh, we got to crack down on these crazy, you know, e-cigarettes and inhalable caffeines. Meanwhile, you won't be able to get, you know, hemp or chlorella or spirulina or colloidal silver or any of those things you may want and need. Well, this is this is problem, reaction, solution to a T. And, and the real solution, when you really hack away at the issues here and look what is the fundamental underlying issue, it's the fact that we have this thing called the FDA that is supposed to be this government-appointed body that will tell people what is safe and what is not safe and whether this should be a dietary supplement or whether it should be regulated under some other type of uh, regulation. But can we imagine a world where there is no such thing as a as a government-controlled state monopoly on the FDA or, or any organization like that where it's actually privatized so that everybody actually has to make decisions for themselves, whether or not they want to put something in their body. And someone could be selling you a total lie, and they could be selling you total BS, and it could be harmful to you. So you actually have to think for yourself whether you want to put something in your body instead of relying on some label from some government-approved body. And, of course, that would devolve into a system where people, of course, would pay something like an FDA or some 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 body that would that would function like an FDA to put their seal of approval on things that they think is safe. And if they made wrong decisions and people ended up dying, people wouldn't use them anymore and they'd go out of business. Can people imagine that type of society rather than one where mummy or daddy government is going to tell you, it's okay, we've looked into it and it's all safe, so now it's got the seal of approval. Um, and I, I would venture to say a lot of people can't. Because <laughs> my good buddies in the industry, you know, they, they yeah. sure safe. Yep. That's exactly it. And that's the point. If government fails, well, nothing happens. If if anything, they get more money, they get more power. But if a privately owned body that was supposed to act like that failed, they would go out of business. So I, I'm not saying it would be a perfect utopia, but it would be a hell of a lot better than what we've got right now. Mm, mm, mm. James, we were discussing earlier just about some of the products and who owns what. And I think I've, I've often said that, you know, that's almost a, a full-time job in and of itself is just to kind of be aware of, of who owns what and to try and pass that on information on to you know the the customers and people that i meet at, at work every day that's it yeah and there has to be more websites like that resource the non-gmo foods resource so people can can look up that there should be other resources to find out who owns what and things like that and uh, and people have to start putting this intelligence together for themselves because if they wait for mummy or daddy government to do it well it's not going to work out for them but on that note we've got we're right up against the break we'll be right back after this message Better get yourself together. Pretty soon you're going to be dead. And on that uplifting note, <laughs> let's finish off with the Food World Order, why don't we? And uh, I guess it must be time for a binge and purge. That's right. That was, that's what I was going to say. I was like, you know what time it is. And here we go. It's called the Binge and Purge Authorization Animals and Amusement. 
France asks EU to suspend GM crop authorization. That is from the French Agency Press. Meanwhile, back here in the USSA, Boulder, Colorado, working to ban GM crops on county-owned land. That's from the always great foodfreedom.wordpress.com. Lower global crop prices to ease food inflation, says USDA. That's just from a little bit ago from Reuters. And, James, here's one. Did you catch this from Ars Technica? Maybe I'm, I'm a little bit behind. But environment researcher admits leaking climate docs claims they're genuine. Oh, yeah. I think his name is Peter Gleick. And, uh, yeah, they supposedly found the secret documents exposing the Heartland Institute and how they're secretly funded by the Koch brothers and all of this. And it turns out <laughs> not only did he lie and commit impersonations and things to try to get documents out of Heartland, they also, whoever did this in behind the scenes, actually faked the documents that were part of the, uh, the controversy. So <laughs> it just, everything that the, uh, the alarmists do backfires on them so spectacularly. And yet the funny thing is I've already had someone email me uh, the link to the uh, this the article that was originally written about that going oh look oh the uh, you know heartland is secretly funded by the Koch brothers and so i sent him the correction <laughs> continuing through the binge and purge james eatdrinkbetter.com says that the fast food place chipotle which i'm pretty sure is owned by mcdonald's makes delicious food and fights for animals and i had to add the question mark cuz i wonder really Swiss food giant Nestle predicts a tough, ye- tough year of 2012 after posting stronger-than-expected 2011 sales. That's from the Washington Post. Food inflation hidden in tinier and tinier packages, James. Here it is again. Mars cutting their king-size candy bar. So, you know, just as, you know, Super Size Me was the end of the, you know, the fatty burgers at McDonald's, finally you're going to have to cut down on the, uh, the candy bar. But, James, we mentioned the inhalable caffeine. E-cigarette explosion burns Florida man's face, knocks out his teeth, and I had been thinking, oh, maybe this would be a good way to kind of help myself stop smoking. And then a scary story like that, it's like, oh, God. (laughs) Texas students boycott school lunch after learning about the concept of boycotts in their history class. Awesome. Historiaadvocate.com. Drug testing coming for America's unemployed. That's right, in the new payroll tax holiday extension that the Obama SIA pushed through. There's drug testing before people can get their benefits that they've already paid for. Well, I know you just put this uh, binge and purge up recently, so I haven't had a chance to look through the stories individually yet. But uh, I like the sound of that Texas students boycotting school lunch. Um, and, you know, <laughs> no matter what it's about, even just the fact that they're actually starting to exercise uh, that that concept is uh, is hopeful. There are some people who can actually realize they do have power and, and attempt to assert it. There's a last couple of notes uh, from BrassCheckTV.com about the drug war and prohibition and law enforcement against prohibition and the 13th Amendment. And James will close it out with a bit of satire, a little audio satire from The Onion. Local child amuses cafe patrons, but for how long? <laughs> I suppose we all have asked ourselves that at some point or another. At any rate, absolutely great updates a lot of uh, incredible info as always so james evan palato foodworldorder.com thank you so much and uh once again let's direct people to foodworldorder.com so they can subscribe to the brand new uh, itunes uh, podcast feed and they can find it on the itunes store and uh and the videos coming out at youtube.com slash wiki world order every week so uh once again more and better ways to to get all this information in one great package james thank you again for your time thanks so much man appreciate it All right, thank you, and thank you all for listening. And once again, I'll be here tomorrow night for uh, Corbett Report Radio Friday Night Highlights. 
and then uh, and then the weekend. So uh, I'm looking forward to it one more time tomorrow night, and I'll talk to you then. Good night. <laughs>